Covering the sports world from New York to Nebraska and beyond, this is Big Sports Radio. Big Sports Radio back at it again here for uh, another football weekend. We've got a lot of football to talk about. Um, most of the Big Ten, I think all the Big Ten actually playing out of conference, and we'll break down all those games here coming up here on the show. A lot talking about uh, Clayton Safey of the Wolverine.com, talking about uh, the Michigan football team. They take on the Rainbows from Hawaii, and uh, who will get the pot of gold at the end of their own rainbow in their their quarterback uh, chase up there. Two quarterbacks. Uh, the second guy gets to start this weekend. We'll break all that down uh, with Clayton here coming up in just a moment. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley. Uh, we've got Joshua Ewing working uh, audio for us. Hey, guys, we touched on it briefly last week, uh, and then it happened. It, it, it became a reality. College football playoff expansion uh, going from four teams, as it is right now and has been for several years, all the way to 12 teams. In 2026, and let's just be honest, this was inevitable. We, we knew it was going to happen at some point. It's happened now, and it's, it's on the books. It's coming. Yeah, it's a big jump. You know, you went from four to 12. I, I think that, uh, you know, we didn't stop at eight. We just skipped over eight, and we went to, <laughs> went to 12. So I, I think it's, it's good for the game. I think it's going to allow some, you know, some more teams to get. It's more excitement at the end. You know I mean? It's not the same team. Although the same teams are going to be in there, it's not like, suddenly Alabama's not going to make the playoff. But the difference is we're going to have some other teams to be interested in. Now, I want to warn everyone, it's not going to be like, you know, March Madness, where we're going to have the 12, 12 seed Wichita State Shockers upsetting, you know, the five seed or, or whatever. It's, UMBC is not beating number one seed Virginia, you know. So those things aren't going to happen, but you will see some, you know, you'll get to see some nice games uh, that are going to be, and there will be some upsets, but it will be more like a Michigan upsetting, you know, Clemson or something like that. It's not going to be quite as wild as we expect. Yeah. I look for it to be a lot of fun. We'll get some um, unusual matchups Chicago, uh, right now. The, the college football is still regionalized. So we'll see some cross country matchups that we don't see regularly. And then with 12 teams, we may see some uh, revenge matches. If you look at this format and it had been around this year, you know, I think I would have loved to see a Cincinnati and uh, Notre Dame battle. I think that would have been a grudge match of phenomenal proportions. And who couldn't want to see Ohio State and Michigan go at it a second time? Mm -hmm. So it could have been a fantastic amount of fun to see what would happen. And I can't wait. Well, you're right, because the geography hurts the Big Ten because Ohio State and Michigan always play each other in the same division. So you don't get that end of the year Big Ten championship matchup between the two. And it's like the loser that kind of gets knocked out of the picture. That's no longer the case. We've watched SEC third place teams that, you know, Alabama, that don't make the title game and watch their coach sit there on CBS all night lobbying for the team to get in. Uh, and we see that happen. So, I mean, but you're exactly right. If you get Michigan back in there or you get USC or an Oregon or or a Wisconsin or an Iowa, I mean, I think that's exciting. To your point, like Brad says, these are going to be still primarily the big boys, but once in a while you will get the – Boise State, you know, years ago when they knocked off Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl and you wanted I wanted to see them play again. Like, could they go beat somebody else or 
UCF a few years ago, going undefeated uh, in a, in a lesser conference. Um, but they were still undefeated, even won their bowl game over a big boy. So you'll still get those opportunities. And I think that's what injects some excitement into it. It's not just, gee, Alabama wins this one game, which they're favored in, and they're going to the title game again. Um, they'll still have the advantage, but you're going to have that where you're right. What if Cincinnati went into Notre Dame and got a win? Yeah. Hey, I was going to cool. UCF, how's that coach doing now? The guy who won all those games at UCF. <laughs> I, I don't. I was just wondering. Um, but anyways, <laughs> Ouch. you know the Ouch. other the other part that I really like about this are the home games on campus sites because you may have an and and you may have an SEC team now have to come play in the elements up in the big house in Michigan or coming up to Columbus in in December. I mean, that's not going to be a lot of fun. You know, I mean, that's not something they look forward to. Maybe it's uh, another whiteout at Penn State, if you've ever seen that. So there's a lot of these southern schools having to come up and play in the elements. It's going to change the way they play a little bit because it's not as easy to, you know, it's not as easy to throw the ball. It's not as easy to, to you have to be a little bit more clean and, and it's not, it, it's tough. And it doesn't, it isn't like a 48 to, you know, you know, 45 game usually because it's, it's difficult. Yeah, and let's say the Big Ten goes to a uh, uh, top four play each other to make it, you know, to, to at the end of the year for that championship. You know, maybe Ohio State and Michigan start playing the second game of the year, knowing that they might play each other in that uh, somewhere in that championship series, and then they could play each other in the uh, college football playoff. You could have teams play each other three times a season, depending on how things play out. Um, I don't think college football has seen that too often, but that might be something that, you know, with the rivalries like Ohio State and Michigan or, you know, um, Alabama and Georgia, that could become something that we see a little more often. Um, and like I said, I, I can't wait. It, this is this is the coolest thing. And I think it is inevitable as uh, our co-host Larry has said it's inevitable that they're going to go to 16 we're 12 is just a stopping point we'll be at 16 pretty quick yeah 16 will be there and it's it's just it's 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 going to happen as you said and and you have another great point as well when was the last top 25 top 10 sec team played in sub 40 degree temperatures (laughs) Right. I mean, it, you're exactly right. If you get LSU going in, you know, round one of the playoffs to Wisconsin to Camp Randall with 80,000 people and it's 35 degrees and wind chill is 18, changes things, doesn't it? You know, you're what not. If, you're what not, if they get stuck playing in Pasadena? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be um, it, it's exciting. And, and one other thing that, that, that you guys talked about, too, is, is in terms of the money. And, and Brad, I know you, we were talking before we went on. Um, initially it was saying 1.2 billion. Now there's some reports of, of 2 billion plus, And I think it go, could go even higher before they finally get around to playing this in 2026. Oh, it's a, it, the money is just insane. I mean, you're it, just a slight billion dollar raise. I mean, nothing much, you know? <laughs> so um, it, it's real, the money that they're throwing out there is insane, but it makes sense because these are going to be the games that people want to see um, every year. And the, I mean, these are going to be the games that mean something. You're going to spend a weekend when these in this round of 12, as it, you know, it is right now, those games that opening weekend, it's going to be a little bit like March Madness and that it's going to be 
must see TV that weekend. And it's going to make create more hype for the championship game as well. Do they dare play on Sunday afternoon and go toe to toe with the National Football League? Mm-hmm. I mean, this this is this is such a big ratings thing though. I mean, for the first time the NFL might actually have some competition. Because I think this this CFP is going to get huge. It is, but I don't think they do because picture it this way. The way it's set up right now in 2026, right now you've got four players involved. Each one gets a game. Fox, CBS, NBC, ESPN. And it's wall-to-wall football and nothing else happens. I could see a thing even bigger than the Super Bowl where you have parties and you just do an all-day thing. And you start with, you know, I don't know, you, you, you know, grill on your outside your deck regardless of the weather and the you for at noon and you order pizza at, at, at seven i mean this is my life anyway Blair. well it's exactly <laughs> that's, that's what mike does so anyway. it's no different it's just <laughs> yeah. this football games will be on yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll, oh, we'll, we'll be at mike's house watching like you're eating again it's only three o'clock so exactly so hey well, larry is larry has spent larry spent enough time with me that he really quickly learned like we we really gonna eat every three hours? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like you want to eat? No, I'm good. I just ate. I'm I'm and I'm the opposite. I can go 24 hours. I I just forget to eat. So Mike doesn't do that. I know Mike's like that's sacrilege. That's sacrilege. <laughs> so, but no college football expansion. Uh, it, it's it's coming, and we'll have a lot of time to talk about it, and and we'll get more into in terms of again what it means. Um, uh, even with with the conferences expanding, I think that still happens as well. And one other point. This this wasn't the commissioners doing it. This was a president or CEO representative from each one of the 11 major conferences voting. They were tired of the commissioners waiting. So the academics were in on this, not the not the sports guys, the academic uh, you know heads of state, if you will. So it's interesting. They saw the money and the money is there. And, um, you know, again, this is not your, uh, you know, your grandfather's uh, college football scene. There's no question. Uh, we have a lot of college football to talk about here. We are just getting started on Big Sports Radio. Coming up next, we mentioned a moment ago, Clayton Safey standing by, waiting in the green room. He's with the Wolverine.com. Uh, great conversation with him. Looking at, look forward to talking with him about the Michigan Wolverines as they take on Hawaii Saturday night at the Big House. This is Big Sports Radio. Right back here on Big Sports Radio, the game of the week. Uh, hey, there's no question about it. Number two, Ohio State taking on uh, fifth-ranked Notre Dame. And a, a, two teams that really don't meet much. You would think with with the success of these two programs that they would meet more often. But um, only the seventh time they've met um, Ohio State, when they do meet, they win. They have not lost to the Irish since 1936. I mean, I'm serious. Hey, to hear more about uh, this matchup, we've brought in our friend uh, Tony Gerdeman. He's lead writer for BuckeyeHuddle.com. Tony, good to have you here. Um, you know, hey, football is back, um, and there's no better place to watch it than at the Horseshoe. Uh, you ain't kidding, especially a Saturday night to open the season top five matchup with Notre Dame. Talking with the, the Buckeyes on Wednesday, a few of their players. And this is something they're looking forward to. Jackson Smith and Jigba, the All-American wide receiver, says he's been looking forward to this game since he was a Buckeye recruit. And this is one of the games that he's been, he's had circled for a while. So they're very excited, especially with the way last season ended. They want to get their foot out there in the, in the right manner and show some people uh, some things that, uh, you know, to maybe counter some of the things people have been saying about them, even though here, here they are, the number two Buckeyes being disrespected, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's funny. It's you're disrespected because you're not number one, I guess. I don't know, but uh, the, the Buckeyes obviously loaded on offense. Um, and every you know, we've talked on previous shows, you know, about this offense, but is there concern about the defensive side of the football and, and what they can do? Is there concern about what Notre Dame can do to them uh, on that side of the ball? Right now, there is just excitement about the defense because I think the the overwhelming feeling is you can't be as bad as they were last year. So you can only be better. <laughs> That's only and, because you guys aren't Illinois fans well, or, or or Indiana fans or you know it, mm-hmm. it can it could happen to other teams. Well, exactly. And a bad year for Ohio State. Ryan Day has talked about this. They were eleven and two last year. Won the Rose Bowl. Not good enough. How many teams in the nation would take that and run with it? And defensively, they overhauled their staff. The only one remaining staffer with Larry Johnson on the defensive line brought in Jim Knowles as a defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State, one of the best defenses in the nation last year. So he's brought his system in, has never had the kind of talent that he does now. And so he's able to devise some things and, and get some things going. But also, he he got a group of guys who, as I said, did not finish the way they wanted to last year. They are hungry to learn, hungry to win, hungry to be successful because this is a defense that hasn't been championship caliber since 2019. So, And that's a 2020 team that made the national championship, but by the end of the season didn't really have enough defensive backs to play Alabama, and you saw you saw the results of that. But now the expectations are very high. The excitement level is very high. Jim Knowles, we talked to him on Monday, or Tuesday rather, just very confident in what this defense is going to do. Talked to him a week ago and said, hey, what's your biggest concern? And he's like, I have no concerns. So he may uh, be um, he, he may have some new concerns after the game, but right now he's he is calm as a cucumber. So what is uh, what are we going to see from that defense? Any kind of uh, uh, telltale signs that we're going to know that that's Jim's defense? Yeah, the funny thing is you're expecting all of these sweeping changes, but Ohio State played a 4-2-5 last year. They're going to be playing a 4-2-5 this year. So a, a lot of similarities, but what they do up front will, will be some differences. They like to move uh, the weak side defensive end around, sometimes stand him up as a linebacker. Really what they what he wants to do is create confusing pictures for the quarterback. And that's pre-snap, that's post-snap, just moving guys around. And sometimes a good quarterback can take advantage of that and get you caught. Uh, you hope that the hope is that you um, you've distracted or uh, disoriented the quarterback for that split second to allow guys to get to where they're going before they uh, get taken advantage of. So there's going to be some moving pieces, some moving parts of this, but the guys, the defensive guys, are all saying they're faster. The offensive the offensive guys are saying this is a fast defense, and it's fast because. They don't have to think as much as they did last year. All of these guys last year starting were new starters. They returned just about everybody, and they're all experienced now. So they can do more. They can process it quicker. They're more comfortable. And I think maybe more than anything, the coaches know what they have now. And last year, they were throwing guys out there hoping to find out more during a game, which is the worst time to find out about people. And now they know a lot more about their guys, and they know what they – maybe most importantly, can't do. And so they're going to try to keep them out of those kinds of positions. Talking with Tony Gerdeman of BuckeyeHuddle.com. It's the Ohio State-Notre Dame game Saturday night uh, under the lights in Columbus. Um, let's talk a bit about this Notre Dame team that we really don't know a lot about. Ranked fifth in the nation, but 
Marcus Freeman takes over into the year, loses the bowl game in his one game after Brian Kelly takes the LSU job. Uh, so Freeman comes in, uh, the young up and coming uh, coordinator takes the head job. And now you've got uh, a new quarterback as well for the Irish. What can you tell us about Notre Dame and, and how um, they may stack up against the Buckeyes? Yeah, I think what, what Ohio State is expecting is a physical Notre Dame team on both sides of the ball. And Tyler Buckner gives them the added dimension of being able to run the ball. I think he was Notre Dame's second leading rusher last year, for instance. So he had some gadget plays and so he, had, he had his role last year as a true freshman. This year, he can kind of do it all. Former top ranked recruit and, you know, everybody wanted him. And so Notre Dame got him. So they're going to put him out there and see. But I think it's it's interesting. You've got two sides of this where everybody's asking the Ohio State beat is asking the Ohio State coaches on, on the defensive side of the ball. How do you prepare for Tyler Buckner? You don't know what he's going to do. You've only seen so much film. Jim Knowles was asked, "Have you do you go back to high school to see his highlights in, in high school and watch his film there? And Jim Knowles was like, no, we don't go back to high school. We just trust our defense. And so you, you, you have your keys. You rely on the defense to do what it's supposed to do. And you figure as much as you know about Tyler Buckner, they saw everything he did last year, but what they know about him, he's not going to be terribly different. You're still going to throw the ball like anybody else, and he's still going to be running the ball. So Ohio State will do you know, what they what they think is best based on what they saw from him and maybe a little additions from uh, the running game and maybe some zone stuff that the, the zone read that will allow Buckner to maybe eliminate a defender. So I think they're expecting some run, but I I wonder what that line of scrimmage is going to look like because this is an Ohio State team defense that has been bashed a bit because of the way the Michigan game went for them. Michigan ran the ball on them. Uh, Utah put a bunch of points on them. So this is a a, a high state and a high state defense that has been hearing plenty about how bad they are, and they're obviously they want to show this. But yeah, I'm interested to see what Tyler Buckner does against an Ohio State defense that he doesn't know a whole lot about, and he's not a very experienced player. So. I think while everybody is asking the Ohio State defense, what are you going to do about this inexperienced quarterback? The better question may be, what is this inexperienced quarterback going to do against this defense that he only kind of thinks he knows what's going to happen? Are, are you surprised that you you have number two playing number five, and I get it's in Ohio State. Are you surprised this is a 17-and-a-half-point line um, right now? Absolutely surprised. That's just a very, very big number. And I know you're not going to look too far back on the, in history to determine lines, but Ohio State has not done well in these kinds of games, even at home, has struggled and, and lost some games. But 17 and a half is just, it's it's a lot. And thinking back to a few years ago, Ohio State went to Nebraska and they were favored by 17 and a half. And that wasn't a top five Nebraska team. And, and so this is different venues and what have you, but like that's the kind of game that is a 17 and a half point you know, line against Notre Dame to start the season when I think either team, Ohio State just wants to get out with a win. They're not trying to cover or anything like that. They'll they'll win by three just as easily as they'll win by 34. They'll, they'll take it. And I think you just want to get out with the win. And so 17 and a half is just, it's a lot, but, you know, it started at what, 13 or 14, and then just keeps getting bet up. So, you know, Vegas has to do what Vegas has to do to survive, I guess. <laughs> Don't want them do- going out of business. <laughs> How does this how does this Notre Dame defense approach stopping this powerhouse Ohio state offense? And and the interesting thing is everybody comes out to stop the run and 
that's been successful at times last year. And if you can stop the run and make Ohio State one-dimensional, well, they're still pretty good at that. So it's it's one of these things where you have you definitely have to stop the run because if you don't, then Ohio State can do whatever they want. And if if you're not able to stop the run and they're picking up seven yards on first down, then they can do anything they want on second down and so on. It's it's about staying on pace, staying on schedule, moving those chains. And Ohio State doesn't need to throw deep. If they want to, if Notre Dame wants to sit back and just let things happen in front of them, you know, a, a, the the bend but don't break. This is an Ohio State offense that can complete short passes religiously, basically, with C.J. Stroud's uh, accuracy. Then the question becomes, what kind of red zone offense does Ohio State have? And that that was a concern last year in terms of scoring and touchdowns in the red zone. Is this a situation where Notre Dame is okay allowing, allowing Ohio State to move the ball between the 20s? And then, okay, let's see what happens now when things get more congested. And if you can hold Ohio State to a field goal, on every drive or most of the drives, I think that's a win for Notre Dame. Yeah, that's true. You know, we were talking about Notre, about Ohio State and, and the history, and Mike uh, wrote something that, and the, his research was just incredible. Going back to, and, and Mike can correct me if I'm getting these numbers wrong, since 1951, only six losing seasons, only five, Mike says only five losing seasons for Ohio State in 70 years. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Go ahead. I mean, I'm I'm just in awe. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, and, and you you look at the coaches in that stretch. Every year, it's been they've had a Hall of Fame coach that entire time, essentially, because you go from Woody Hayes, Hall of Fame, Earl Bruce, Hall of Fame, John Cooper, say what you want, Hall of Famer, Jim Trestle, Hall of Famer. Then you have the one year of Luke Fickle, and look what Luke Fickle is doing now, and what he's going to become, and what he is. And then it's Urban Meyer, who will be a Hall of Famer. And then it's Ryan Day, who is looking pretty good right now. He's, you know, he hasn't won a national championship yet, so he's still fireable material. But even after you win a national championship, you're still fireable material. But the the stretch of coaches that they've had, I mean, you look what Michigan stretch of coaches. You got a Brady Hook in there. You've got uh, Rich Rodriguez. You look at anybody else. Like look at Alabama, what they went through for, yeah. I don't know, twenty years of coaches and. You know, Tennessee and Florida, just some bad stretches, and they've never had that bad stretch. The worst stretch they had was the one year of 2011 with Luke Fickle where all of their best players were suspended, and he got boot, got booted. But, yeah, the consistency is is pretty amazing. And the, those seasons where they had losing seasons, you know, all those coaches deserve to be fired. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you you can say that not many schools in the big 10. You can say that at Michigan, Ohio state, maybe Penn state, everybody else. It's like, yeah, we had a losing season. That's all right. We'll be better next year. So, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, it's weird. Uh, can you imagine if, uh, they were having the uh, era that Scott Frost is having in Nebraska, they would not be oh. very happy. And well, he wouldn't be there. He would have been gone like three years ago. Buyout, buyout wouldn't matter. Is there a, so that consistency, recruiting-wise, uh, Ryan Day has obviously recruited at an extremely high level. Perhaps, uh, it, it, to me, I, I think it's been surprising. I, I think he may be even recruiting at a higher level than Urban Meyer did when he was at Ohio State. Is, is that is that fair to say? It's really kind of shocking what he's been able to do talent-wise. Yeah, I, I thought if Ryan Day could just fall somewhere in between Jim Trussell and Urban Meyer, he'd be fine. And he's picked up where Urban Meyer had it and has continued on. I don't know that it's recruiting better than Urban Meyer. At times he does. There are guys that 
he landed that urban meyer had lost when the when the reins were handed over and he had to do some fixing he's a different kind of recruiter as well he's more personable he'll talk to you he can converse with you whereas urban meyer i think everybody knows urban meyer is just a different kind of guy and a different kind of recruiter and it's i don't think ryan day could have been expected to be this good and again three four years in whatever it is he's still still out there looking for that that first national championship and is only one and one against michigan and if they lose this year he'll have a losing record against michigan and then that starts more wheels turning in people's minds but Fire. fireable yeah, offense you, you know it uh <laughs> hashtag right there yeah um, but it, it's really it, the way he has been recruiting especially quarterbacks i mean five-star guys you know one year they had two five-star quarterbacks with quinn ewers and, and kyle mccord and then you, you the staff that he puts around him it's it's hit and miss just like it was with urban meyer you never really know about that first staff but yeah he's he's a darn good recruiter and uh you know you, you wonder I, I think he would have been even better if the nil stuff wouldn't have hit well speaking of the nil stuff you know, Big Ten fans are wanting a national title. Obviously, Ohio State's the best shot. Uh, Coach said he needed $13 million this year for that. And I feel like I'm tuning into the Jerry Lewis telethon. I want to know, <laughs> did he hit $13 million? And if not, how close is he? Well, yeah, and, and a lot of this stuff is kept private. And the, the fact that he puts the number out there tells you that they don't have it yet. And that's what he, you know. You say it enough and you talk to the right people. It's interesting the way they've gone about asking for money. Um, the players have some players have their own thing and they're asking fans for money. And the the amount of money that fans already give to the the football program in terms of tickets and, and the cost, at some point the the millionaires need to step in and start just let's just write this check for this 13 million and keep this team the way it is. But yeah, it, I think they're okay this year. It's keeping guys. And um, that's, that's going to be the the difficult part because when you recruit very well, there are guys that can go to wherever they want and for more money. And, and I think some of it is a little bit overblown and in terms of like CJ Stroud could have, why didn't CJ Stroud go? Why didn't he leave some, but somewhere for money? Like he's, he is now a millionaire, but he could have somebody could have offered him more. Why not go? There is still an allure uh, about playing at Ohio State, about playing at Alabama, about playing at Georgia, where the money will come, and that's something that they also talk about. Where don't don't take the the, the short money for the long money. Don't take the quick money for for the the long gain of you know. You look at the the contracts that these guys have in the NFL. It dwarfs anything that you get from NIL. So don't worry about the. The, the extra 250,000 from another school. And if you're so worried about that, you're not going to be playing as well as you need to. And I'm really interested to see with uh, all of this money going on, do players take a step back in terms of their prior performance? Like let's watch Bryce Young this year. Let's watch CJ Stroud Has the money affected their play. And, you know, it wouldn't shock me if it does. I mean, it's, it's hard to not be affected by life-changing money. For anybody, let alone a 19, 20-year-old. I mean, you're mm -hmm. exactly right. There's no question. Well, Brad, Brad's our expert at life-changing money. Yeah. So we have to ask Brad about how to deal with that. And look how affected he is. Yeah. 
Well, it's, it's amazing. Really, it's amazing. I've been able to overcome the fact that I have life changing money. It's the, <laughs> it's the wrong, I, I changed my life the wrong way, but still, you know, it's been able to overcome that. So. Exactly. Hey, Tony, we're going to uh, let you go. It's been, um, boy, just great to talk with you, getting the breakdown here. And, and you know, look, um, I don't think you guys are falling out of the top 10 anytime soon. So we'll certainly be talking again soon. Uh, Tony Gardeman of uh, BuckeyeHuddle.com. Hey, we appreciate the knowledge and um, enjoy the game. Thank you. Will do. You too. Thanks, All Tony. Right. Much more to come here on Big Sports Radio. Stay with us. More after this. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you, too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. Now back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio. It was a big headline this week, but for those paying attention, uh, this shouldn't have come as a surprise. The Bears' conceptual plans to build a state-of-the-art dome in suburban Arlington Heights. Fellas, look, I'm a traditionalist. I, I love history, but I get it. And, and quite honestly, I'm all for it. Yeah, you know, you got to keep up with the Joneses in, in today's world of, you know, you know professional sports. But I, I still... I. I I get it. I don't like it. Yeah. Just because I think it needs to be outdoor football in Chicago, the monsters of the midway. And, you know, can you imagine what would be the, you know, the, uh, the balmy turf of soldier field is nothing like the uh, frozen tundra of Lambeau field. So I don't, I don't know. I just, it's not quite the same for me. Yeah. I, you know, for Chicago businesses that opens you up to having a super bowl in Chicago it opens you up to WrestleMania. It opens you up to all sorts <laughs> of con- concerts. So let's face it. I mean, it's going to make them more money. Hey, D- hey Jerry Jones put 80,000 people in the Texas during the new Cowboy place for, sure, uh, yeah. for uh, WrestleMania. The second thing on that list for me, I think for Brad too, would not have been WrestleMania. <laughs> well, I'm just talking moneymaker. <laughs> So it's it's hard for me to to you know throw a lot of rocks at it. Other than I do like the idea of the domes that can close, where you might be able to put some regular good old fashioned grass in there, and then when it is cold as you know what, um, make some southern team come in there and freeze the bejesus off while you hopefully beat them in the playoffs. Well, I, I think that, and let's let's continue that list because you got caught up with WrestleMania college football playoff yeah. uh, games, college football championship games, uh, final fours. Yes. WrestleMania. Um, you can now host the very biggest of events. boxing and, 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 and boxing. I, I, I think that it still will come down to, um, I think I look at SoFi stadium out in LA and, and, and that was built on a former horse racing track. And I think yep. that that's exactly what you're going to see. In, in Arlington Heights um, with a, a retractable roof and it's going to be $2 billion and it's going to, they're going to build all around it. All these other um, make it its own little village, if you will, entertainment village right there. 
Um, you know, and I think, Brad, I think that it, it'll be a retractable roof. And to your point, it may be a thing where the, you know, the Bears say, hey, we want that, that feel. We'll leave it open for all eight home games, um, regardless of how, unless it's just the weather is just so terrible. But, um, you know, because I think you need that. That's, that's, that's Chicago, right? Yeah, it's, it's fun to be out so, you know, I, I think the, you know, you, you mentioned this, I mean, could you see, you know, we always have the big 10 championship game, you know, and it's been an Indy, but now it's, now it could be in Chicago, the uh, final four, you know, go on the list. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to have an, a, an, a venue like that in Chicago, but I still want to see him outside. You know, I don't know. Uh, it's just, just me nostalgia. But I'm going to, you know, I'll probably die soon anyway. So whatever, it won't matter to me. <laughs> well, oh. there's your uh, ray of hope, Brad Sturdy, <laughs> talking about his imminent de- doom. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that, the, the, that this will be an era for uh, fans of Chicago and Illinois sports to, to be something they would remember. You know, somebody who went to a Super Bowl, they went to a Final Four, they went to... Um, a Big Ten championship and a college football championship. What great memories and, and you know, for somebody who lives uh, in the state of Illinois and and even better would be if we had the Illini participating in one of these things. Yeah, and you haven't had a Final Four in Chicago since, what, I mean, 19, I don't know, like 50 or something, like at the old patent. You're the one You're the one who has them all memorized, Larry, yeah, not me. There you go. <laughs> the first yeah, one was there. My, Mike, Mike, you were alive for them, so that's the difference. You should know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. But yeah, no, me I, and Red, Red, Red Range went to that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> went out for a beer later afterwards and talked about it. No, I think that it's it, this is the next era. Um, like I said, I'm a purist. I mean, I, I can't imagine the Bears not playing playing right there on Lake Michigan. That's just tradition. We're up with it. Um, but at the same time, you know, what Jerry Jones and the, the Cowboy Stadium did back in 2009 and how they changed the game, SoFi has now changed the game again. And just as we saw generation stadiums in the decade that, that followed mimic what they did in Dallas, I think SoFi and what uh, what the Cronkies did with the Rams Stadium out there, I think it's um, this is the next thing. And, and that's what Chicago is doing. And so it makes sense. But again, Anyone not paying attention? I mean, you know, they said, I mean, they, they didn't build this property just because they wanted to go build condos. I mean, you know, we kind of knew that yeah. was happening. Um, hey, U.S. Open uh, ongoing. Um, you know, we saw the the, the guy, um, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, Tiafo? Tiafo? Uh, he made the semifinals, uh, first American male, uh, the first, first African-American male um, since Arthur Ashe, actually. Uh, what a great. And then Serena Williams, uh, the GOAT. Um, you know, what a, what a great week it was to watch her and, and all the tributes there. Uh, truly one of the greatest ever athletes ever, not just tennis player. Yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to women's tennis, she's the best of all time. When it comes to female athletes, she's probably the best of all time. And, you know, overall athletes, she's one of the best of all time. She's great. I mean, just there's not, not any way to I – don't, I don't think you can have enough superlatives to describe her performance on the tennis court, uh, what she's been able to do. And, you know, she seems like she, and she's not going to just fade off into oblivion. Now she's planning on doing some things and, and having a presence. So I think it's going to be fun to watch, uh, see what she has after tennis. Well, and you don't like to boil it down to the numbers, but you can boil her career down to one number, 94,618,080 earned. Holy cow. That's just prize money. That doesn't include her advertising and the companies she started. Um, and she's a great businesswoman on top of her aptitude 
and skills at tennis. I mean, it's amazing. And remember that she began her career at a time when women's sports, as they often are, paid less. And I believe she was one of those that got more pay for the women, uh, and, and rightly so. She's outstanding. And, folks, she's 40. In a sport, women's tennis usually were 30. You're ancient. She's 40 and still going, even though she and Venus lost the doubles opener. That was still great to see them one more time out there. Um, we've all been enriched by Serena. And you're right. I think she's just it's just the beginning. She's not retiring. She's transitioning. And it's going to be fun to see what she does next. Uh, what we are doing next, well, stay with us. Next is a quick timeout and then back to football after this. Big Sports Radio continues. Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy. Uh, you know, we talk uh, about Wisconsin, uh, one of the ranked teams in the Big Ten, dropping one spot after their big opening week win against Illinois State last week. Um, that was really impressive. How about the defense uh, coming in on this? Um, the 100-yard interception return, like a school record as, as part of their big day for the defense. Wisconsin, we mentioned last week, 20 consecutive winning seasons. Wisconsin, the last time, guys, we throw it out here to you. The last time Wisconsin went an entire season without being ranked in the top 25. Take a stab at it. Wow. 2000. Oh, no. 1997. 97. 89. 89. 89. 1996. Oh, I, I mean, that is incredible. Um, that they, again, I was thinking of the 1997 bowl season, Larry, obviously. Oh, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, well, they that won't, was, right? that they won't was certainly it. In the entire season in, in 96, but. Uh, so big, big game this weekend for the for the Badgers uh, as they take on uh, Washington State, the Cougars. It's only the second time that these two have ever met. Uh, the first one uh, was way, way back in the ancient times of 2007. Um, again, that was in Madison also, 42-21. The Badgers got the win. A uh, bit of a homecoming for Jake Dickert, the Cougars head coach, um, who actually uh, is a Wisconsin native and uh, played his college football at Wisconsin Stevens Point as well. And so he get a chance now to uh, come back and try to take on um, the, the uh, Badgers of Wisconsin. Paul, Chris uh, talking this week about this matchup. Let's listen in on part of that conversation. Paul, with Hayden Rucci having his first couple of collegiate receptions uh, within his fourth year, just how have you seen him evolve as a player, but also you know, as a potential pass catcher within this offense? Yeah, I think that... Uh... You know, credit to him, you know, for the work he's he's put in. He's like a lot of our guys, you know, that they need to be, you know, those situations he was in, and I thought Graham made good decision on it, and and, and they've got to be able to deliver, you know, in the passing game as, as much as in the run game. And I think that whole tight end group is, is one that we feel good about. They just got to continue to play, you know, and gain that experience. And I know they've been in game situations, but they just got to continue their their roles a little bit different now, and and they got to keep keep growing. Paul, I just wanted to get get your thoughts on your inside linebackers, Muma and and Jordan, and what what did they show you? What stood out about them uh, last week? Yeah, I thought that uh, I thought they sh- you 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 felt them, you know, and they showed up. I thought they uh, number of plays where they you know believed what they saw and and triggered on it, and and I thought made some really impactful plays and. Uh, you know, that was good to see, you know, that they're uh, trusting themselves and, and trusting what they're seeing. And I thought they played fast, you know, and, and uh, so that was a good f- first game for both of them. Paul, kind of a two-parter for you on, on backup quarterback situation. Um, 
with Miles, do you try to give him a little few more extra reps during the week compared to what you would give Chase, who's been around this program for a while? Ideally, you'd like to, you know, we're talking about because Miles and you still want to get Deacon some, but you still got to start, I think, with Graham, you know, and making sure that he, he's got the, the, the right amount of uh, reps and the, and the looks that he needs to see. And so I think that maybe a couple more, you know, like Chase was so good at when we were doing, you know, anything where we go like our second offense versus our one defense, Chase found a way to really make those good reps for him. And I think that, you know, the young guys are learning to do that. You know, so you felt like Chase was ahead a little bit when he's going into game week preparation. But I think you still got to make sure that that you kind of start from the top down. You got to make sure that we're getting what we need from Graham. And then certainly you, you got to get then the other guys the reps. So my follow-up would be how much, how important is it for them to do work away from the practice field, like in the main oh, room? Like big. How, how, how do you get a guy ready yeah. that way? Well, I mean, they've been going. I think it's just trying to um, reinforce what they know and, and go through it. And that's where it's been nice. School doesn't start quite yet, and that, that's been helpful with the, with the time, the extra time that you can have. And, um, you know, credit to Chase. Chase is taking them, you know, when we're busy. You know, he's grabbing them. And, and then there's some parts where you just got to do it on your own. But you got to make sure that they're studying it and learning it the right way. And so absolutely, you know, time away. And, and like I said, you know, school doesn't start for a couple of days, and and there is, there is time for them to do that. I have another question for you about Miles. It's not very often that a true freshman quarterback uh, plays, especially this early in the season. Obviously, there's circumstances because of that. But what is it about Miles' skill set that stands out to you? What is it that you like about his ability? Yeah, I think you know I've liked the way that he's kind of come in and you know came early, and, and he's always trying to learn. You, you know, and and even when. You know, there's times when I know he's not getting the reps, but I know he's he's working at it. And you see it even on the on the side sometimes in practice. You know, kind of going through it, and and you know certainly all those guys who feel like they've got a skill set, you know, a talent with them. But I've liked the way that he's approached it, and he's got um, kind of his demeanor's been good too. You know, I think it's he's got kind of had the right balance there, and I think he's certainly got some urgency to him, but also. Uh, level-headed enough where it doesn't get too big. Coach Nakia Watson had a solid performance last weekend for Washington State. With him coming back here this weekend, what kind of threat does he present and what type of player was he when he was here at Wisconsin? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I uh, I like Nakia and appreciate uh, when he was here and, and, and being around him. And, and, you know, the threat that he poses is he's – part of a good offense that our defense has to stop, you know, and it's not about, uh, Nakia, you know, and he's got, he's got teammates here that, that know him well and, and, and certainly appreciate him. Guys, we all liked having him on this team, but, um, you know, it's, it's Wisconsin versus Washington state and he's, he's their back. And, and so I think it's the whole unit that we got to defend not just get caught up in, in one, one person. Yeah, I think it's uh, you know, it, it's a it's power five football, right? I mean, this is like uh, it's a couple of teams. I I don't think Washington State has the same um, intrigue as they did when they had uh, you know, Mike Leach or something like that, or you know, somebody who's just a kind of a it would bring excitement maybe to a program, but but they're they're gonna give Wisconsin at least a little test. They actually they're um got transfers at at 
key spots. You know, they're they're they have actually their starting running back is from Wisconsin. Uh, he's a trans Wisconsin transfer, Nakia Watson. He ran for over 100 yards against Idaho. So uh, there's a little bit of home week there. But, I, you know, I, I think that Wisconsin running back is, you know, is, is the guy, you know, Braylon Allen is legit. Um, and he's tough to bring down and he's who they, you know, he, he's the key. He's he's their bread and butter guy. Now can they get the quarterback play they need from Graham Mertz? Yeah, that that's always the X factor. Of course, Braylon Allen, also from Wisconsin. There's a shock. Um, and somebody might want to tell him that you're 235 pounds and you're not supposed to run 96 yards for a touchdown. I don't care who it's against. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's yet another one of those big, burly, fast Wisconsin tailbacks. And, you know, I, I just, you put them behind those, those offensive lines that are just road graders. And, you know, it really takes a defense that either can match them with size or has the speed to prevent them, you know, from, from getting outside. Uh, I, I, I think it's going to be a long day for Washington state. Um, it'll be a tough, uh, homecoming, but you know, if you're up in Stevens point and you're, you know, go to century world, one of the great golf courses in the big 10, <laughs> fantastic, fantastic track up there. Go ahead and don't lose a golf ball in the flower hole. It's, it, you will, <laughs> it's, it's tough. Uh, in, in case people uh, are just joining the show, Mike Kegel used to live in Madison for five years, right? You're up there. Five years in Madison, 1990 yeah. to 1995. Got to watch Barry Alvarez turn a moribund uh, Wisconsin word. program. That's a good word, Mike. It, it is. Very good word. Turn, turned it into a just a, a mean, tougher than nails football machine. And uh, Mr. Alvarez uh, definitely undertook a transformation and holy cow they haven't looked back and you know the style hasn't changed whether no, it, it was hasn't. alvarez or Bielema or christ whoever it is it's the same we're gonna we're gonna run the football we're gonna play action pass and we're gonna have these big strong running backs and, and we're just gonna and these big offensive linemen who look like they could you know tear a tree out of the ground if they wanted to so yeah it's uh that's the style yeah. yes a, uh, Allen uh, rushing for a school record 96 yard touchdown run in that win over Illinois State last week, which to your point is amazing. You think of all the great running backs they've had there over the past 20, 25 years, and yet he does something they haven't done. I mean, it's just it, it's just insane when you think about it. It's a 3:30 Eastern kickoff um on Fox. Of course, we know it'll be rocking there at, at, at Camp Randall. You look at the Wisconsin schedule, and um the schedule makers didn't do them any favors. We we've joked about you know, Ohio State uh, starting the first five games at home. They they barely leave the state of Ohio, really, even the entire season. It's a, it's a pretty good schedule for them. They could run the table. Um, they they host the Wisconsin will host New Mexico State next week. Then they go at Ohio State uh, on the 24th. They come back against Illinois, a team that they'll be favored in. But we saw last year Illinois plays its best games on the road. Um, hello, Penn State and Minnesota. Uh, and even a, a good game against Iowa. Um, and, of course, Brett Bielema, a homecoming for him, the former Wisconsin coach that had great success after replacing Alvarez. Uh, they go to Northwestern. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald, always a well-coached team, and they are trying to get back after a down season last year. At Michigan State, another ranked team. Uh, you've got to go to Purdue. Or, I'm sorry, Purdue's at home. You go to Maryland. I mean, I'm sorry. Purdue's at home. Maryland's at home. You go to Iowa. Uh, and then you finish Nebraska, Minnesota. But 
Um, you know, there's that stretch right there with Ohio State, Illinois, Northwestern, Michigan State. That's a tough four games that you've got to come up with after you get out of the non-conference part of your schedule. Yeah, and you, you the other thing is they don't get their they don't get that bye week till like the weekend of October 29th. So they're yeah. playing, you know, five consecutive weeks against I'm sorry, six seven seven straight weeks, eight straight weeks. I mean, it just keeps going. Eight straight weeks and, and most of them against Power 5. <laughs> Here, well, I'm not wearing my glasses either. Here, (laughs) (laughs) I was going. Here's the thing: I was going five straight weeks. I was only counting the Ohio State game. I forgot they got a couple games for that. Even if they're, you know, New Mexico State and Illinois State is part of that. But yeah, that's a tough grind, and you know, so you expect them. But the one thing about them is they they usually out physical you. I mean, they're a team that. When you're done playing them, you you know you played Wisconsin. I mean, and that, that's just their style. And and I think that's what, you know, they got a great defensive coordinator, Jim Leonard. Um, they've got some new people on the offensive side of the ball, new new uh, defensive uh, or new uh, offensive assistant. So it's going to be interesting to see if they do things a little different, if Graham Merch steps up. And if he does, you know, I think despite the fact they're replacing eight starters on defense, they're going to be, they're going to keep staying the game defensively. Now it's can they do enough on offense? Yeah, and that Wisconsin schedule is is an interesting one. They've got a tough road to hoe. It, interestingly enough, you know, if you figure they split between Michigan State and Ohio State, they would go into the Purdue game with one loss. And I, I look at Purdue's schedule, and I think Purdue has really got a soft schedule this year. You could be looking at at two teams with one loss having a huge showdown uh, on the 22nd of, of October. Um, and I, I do think, though, that this this Wisconsin team will round into form. The one thing that, that you notice about a team like Wisconsin with the style they play is they do get stronger as the season goes on. The cohesiveness of a team in, improves. So I, I really look for this this Wisconsin team to be a threat all throughout the season. No question about it. They play Washington State again at 3.30 Eastern time kickoff, and that is <clears throat> on Fox here Saturday, September 10th. Uh, let me get this in before we take a break and go to the top of the hour. BigSportsRadio.com. You can register for free and get into the message boards, and that's where you will find the info that you will need to be eligible to win a $100 gift prize every week, $100 cash every week. doesn't cost you anything. Uh, but go to bigsportsradio.com with all the details. Also, it is your one-stop shop uh, for all Big Ten sports everywhere from all 14 teams and maybe eventually. We'll be getting adding in, uh, we'll be getting to add in, you know, those two West Coast teams that are going to be future Big Ten members. But for right now, it's only 14 strong. Stay with us. We'll look around the Big Ten and uh, preview all 14 games involving Big Ten teams. It's next here on Big Sports Radio. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. 
Now back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley, and our number two. Full slate of games in the Big Ten for the first time this season. You know, guys, a, a bit of a slap in the face for Ohio State. The only team to beat a top five team last weekend. And their reward is they drop a spot to number three in this week's AP poll. Well, it means means a couple of things. First thing it means is that maybe they didn't appreciate Notre Dame as being actually a top five team. Or it means Arkansas State is going to take the brunt of the Ohio State anger <laughs> to a 70 to nothing type, uh, type of score this weekend. So, yeah, I think the Buckeyes may be able to take it out on the poor, poor Arkansas State squad. Well, I think the Hawaii rainbows are going to say, hey, hold my beer. Because they go into the big house, zero and two, having lost sixty three to ten to Vandy, and you got Michigan sitting there. Not going to be a good day. Yeah, if you thought Michigan was dominant against Colorado State, um, yeah, hold my beer is right. So and and hold my car keys too, because it's going to be a <laughs> long night. Uh, Michigan State comes in fourteenth in the country, and and again, um, you know, pretending they're a, a charter member of the Mid American Conference. They routed Western Michigan last week, and then this week they get a fellow MAC opponent. Um, Akron comes in, the Zips uh, coming into Spartan Stadium in this one. You know, it's funny that that for a team that, that played really well, Michigan State was not very happy with that 35-13 uh, victory. Uh, Coach Mel Tucker said that they were, you know, just too many lapses. Um, Peyton Thorne, the junior quarterback, uh, threw for four touchdowns, but only completed um, half his passes, so... Um, you, know, you mentioned Ohio State taking out some anger. I think the Spartans may look to run up the score as well and and uh, make this a statement game against Akron. Yeah, you know, they have higher expectations for the Spartans now. You know, they've, they've kind of raised the bar. Another team that's raised the bar is Penn State. And uh, they've got Ohio coming, you know, coming to town. And that's an interesting thing. At Penn State, James Franklin, they've been good, but they just haven't been able to maybe get over the hump and and get that you know, signature season where they win the big 10 or uh, make the playoff, something like that, because that's a program. That's one of the, you know, that's kind of a, how would you say it, a blue blood type football program with their following. So you, you wonder if they're going to, this is going to be the year. And uh, I don't think we're going to learn anything much uh, against Ohio as they roll to a win on that. one. Yeah. And of course, Washington state is going to uh, deal with Wisconsin. And I've got to think that with that awesome running attack, Braylon Allen, you know, 96 yards at 240 pounds for a touchdown, um, being prepared by playing Idaho before playing Wisconsin, I don't think they're going to be prepared. And I think the Badgers (laughs) are going to run wild. Badgers, uh, you know, it's funny. You look at the schedules. Badgers and Ohio State appear to be on a collision course uh, coming up here in Columbus in, in a couple of weeks. Uh, maybe the, the game of the weekend of the Big Ten is Iowa hosting Iowa State uh, for the, the Cyhawk Trophy. Hawkeyes have won six straight in this series. It's a 4 o'clock kickoff uh, on BTN. And a lot of questions for Iowa. You know, our, our friend Tom Kakert called it that it was not going to be uh, an easy task last week against South Dakota State. And it wasn't. They go into week two still looking for their first touchdown of the season. Who would have ever thought that that would be the case? Uh, both teams want to know. And um, again, I would try and extend that winning streak over their state rival, the Cyclones. Yeah, the uh, Purdue-Indiana State's an interesting matchup. Uh, Indiana State's 1-0 and 
Purdue 0 and 1, but obviously the Boilers are uh, heavily favored here. Uh, they really need to regain some confidence after starting off with a loss. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back and, and see if Indiana State is, you know, kind of is maybe better than people think um, after winning their opener. Yeah. And you've got Maryland, you know, visiting Charlotte, but this is really kind of what this Maryland team needs. They're, they're playing an 0 2 team get an opportunity to get some confidence and get their ball rolling before they go into the big 10 season. I see this as a, is an easy win for Maryland. And you know, that's how you get to a bowl is you, you get your confidence up and you start winning games. Good power five matchup in Champaign, Illinois, hosting Virginia, the Cavaliers team that handed them their worst season in 20, their worst loss, I should say in the 2021 season, uh, 42 to 14, but this Virginia team is different. Uh, Tony Elliott is now the head coach. Uh, they've got new coordinators uh, on all three units, offense, defense, and special teams. They still have Brennan Armstrong, who threw five touchdowns against the Illini last year uh, in Charlottesville. But again, you know, this is a this is a big moment for Illinois. Uh, what you don't want to do is go one and two, and then you have to beat Chattanooga at home in a couple of weeks before entering what's a really brutal part of your schedule in October. So Illinois trying to get the win and go to two and one on the season. Yeah, definitely. Illinois needs that win uh, to have a little confidence. Nebraska is another team that needs a win. They take on Georgia Southern. Um, this is kind of make or break territory for Scott Frost and, and the Cornhuskers. They've got to win this kind, these types of games if they want to make a bowl game and possibly save Scott Frost's job. And uh, Georgia Southern is going to give them, you know, they're going to battle. I, I think the the Huskers are going to pull away and win at the end, but don't I. The way that they've been inconsistent in the Scott Bruster, you never know. If it's a close game, it doesn't bode well for Nebraska. <laughs> Five and 21, baby. <laughs> um, you know, you, you you look at what Northwestern has, and they've gotten a win over Nebraska, and it still counts. Um, and they've <laughs> also they've, they got a bye week in front of Duke, so there's nothing that these two academic titans like better than a bye week. So I'm thinking when you add that to the fact that it's an even-numbered year and Pat Fitzgerald somehow becomes much better coach in an even-numbered year, I, I, think, um, I think Northwestern is going to prevail here. Minnesota hosting Western Illinois. It's a noon Eastern time kickoff, the first game of the day on BTN. Uh, Minnesota really excited about uh, the running of uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, who ran for 132 yards and a couple of scores. Uh, you may recall that that he suffered that uh, Achilles injury in the opener a year ago against Ohio State, and that and it was lost for the season. So they're excited about what he can do. Uh, Leathernecks, Western Illinois, uh, FCF school, but one of those again, you know, take note, just like South Dakota State, uh, really strong on offense. And so this may not be the cakewalk, uh, even though Minnesota is favored. Um, it may be a little a, a tougher challenge to, for the Gophers to get to two and zero. Indiana's coming off a win over Illinois um, in a game that, to be honest, they were pretty much dominated time of possession-wise and and yardage-wise. And they get a game against Idaho team that was probably better than expected against Washington State, losing only uh, 24-17. So I, I think the Hoosiers have a little tougher test than maybe they they thought they were going to have coming in. They beat Idaho, I think it was 56-13 to so a year ago. So this is a bye game, but the Hoosiers are gonna ha- can't have a letdown after their win over Illinois. They've got to come back and play well if they want to take care of the fighting potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those, those, they're some dangerous potatoes. They're almost vandalous. Um, <laughs> Rutgers taking on Wagner. Now, the interesting thing here is, is I think Greg Schiano is one of the, the 
more underrated coaches. I think what he did at Rutgers first time around was impressive. I hate to say this, but I, I don't know that I want to bet against him on starting to build this team up. And going up against Wagner, which I believe is named after the actor Robert Wagner. Um, I'm <laughs> I, thinking, I don't think that's it, Mike. I, I think it, maybe Hon- I'll give you Honus Wagner, um, but I don't think it's Robert Wagner. Oh, you know, you know what? I'm quite the history buff. The actor Jack Wagner, maybe. Well, I think I think I would go Robert Wagner over Jack Wagner, but that is a very tough. Um, Tough way to go at it, but I think his Austin Powers work will push him over Jack <laughs> Wagner. Um, but I do think this is a clear Rutgers win, and I would like to go on the record predicting that Iowa will win five to two over Iowa State. <laughs> Your lips. Uh, to- uh, I, I was trying to be the first team to not score a touchdown all season and make a bowl game. <laughs> 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 Most boring ever to reach the postseason. That's right. Can you imagine the anger that the, when the Big Ten championship game they go up against Ohio State? <laughs> it's 182 to four. Right. And it's amazing. He scored only three touchdowns the entire season. <laughs> That's a look around the Big Ten. Lots of games going on. BigSportsRadio.com. We'll uh, we'll have all the recaps for you and pregame uh, preview stuff as well. We take a pause for the cause and then back with more after this. Big Sports Radio continues taking a look at the Iowa-Iowa State matchup. Uh, both teams winning their openers last week. Uh, and as we mentioned a moment ago, the Hawkeyes really have, have controlled this series, winning six in a row. Tough week last week as they squeaked by South Dakota State. Kirk Ferentz talking earlier this week in his news conference. Let's listen in to part of that. Spencer obviously didn't have his best performance last week. How long of a leash does he have if things aren't going well against Iowa State? Well, I mean, our, our intention right now is to go out and play and, uh, you know, we'll evaluate, evaluate everything as it comes. But, like, that's not prominent in my thoughts right now. My thoughts are more just in terms of our entire group. Uh, hopefully we can give them a plan that they can execute well. And, uh, you know, if we play well cohesively, I expect him to play well in his role. And that's that's the biggest thing right now is give him a little bit more help. How much do you work the number two guy once it gets down to game weeks typically? Is this a typical week? Yeah, not not a lot. With the ones you're saying, or yeah, right, yeah, both, both guys are. You know, we're running the same plays, both groups, but uh, and we tend to. And I imagine most people, most people do this. Pro football is a little different, but we tend to, you know, work two offenses during the course of a practice, and um, yeah, so the, the twos get a lot of reps, not as many as the ones, but they get a lot of reps. So Alex is running the same stuff that uh, Spencer is. It's, it's usual that an offensive line can be a little sloppy in the opener until they get their chemistry and techniques down. Um, it seemed a little more sloppy than normal, I thought, the other day. What? How did you assess it? And is Jennings Dunker part of it, or you seem to play well, or is he hurt too? No, he's not hurt. Uh, he's been hurt, but he's not hurt. So you, know, you touch on one thing, and I'll, I'll circle back. I think I may have shared this with you. I can't, can't remember who I talked to sometimes. To, to the hurt part, like we've had a lot of guys hurt over the past year, and think about Jennings missed pretty much last year. So this is like his first year of playing, quite frankly, in a lot of ways. Uh, Bo is the same way. A lot of our younger guys last year just missed a lot of time, really unusual year. I don't know if that was a COVID afterburn or what. So they're, they're really young, and, you know, Everybody's competing, though. We got you know a group of eight, nine, ten guys that are competing for playing time, 
And I, I anticipate that being a little bit of a fluid process. And then part B of that, and this is, I can't remember if I mentioned this last Tuesday, but, you know, you watch a guy like Logan Jones, it's probably a pretty good um, you know, metaphor for our offense in some ways. Reference, you know, we watch watch practice a lot. We see practice. We do it every day. And you guys get a small window. But he just uh, handles himself in such a, a, you know, proficient, you know, productive way. He's just a really good football player and a good practice player, all that kind of stuff. If I caught myself at the end of last week, you know, I remember this is this guy's first year playing, first game playing, really, and first time he's played center. And Linderbaum threw, went through the same thing, you know, three, four years ago. So he he didn't have his best game, and I think he'll take a big jump. I, I'm confident he will, uh, just because there's no there's no way to simulate some of the things he had to do. And just give you a quick example, uh, you probably can't see this, but like you know, we're not all there on the cadence uh, the other day. You know, some guys are a little slow, or the ball's a little slow getting snapped. To me, that's that's your first game. That's what that's all about. And the sooner we can accelerate that process, the better. So, you know, the clock's sitting there 305 for Saturday, so we don't have a lot of time. So we got to speed that process up as much as we can. There was booing at various intervals in the game Saturday. Are your players alienated by that, or are they conditioned to shrug it off, even ignore it? Yeah, I haven't asked anybody. Uh, yeah, but everybody, everybody on the team's human, so I'm sure they hear it. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to say it's unfortunate, but it's just, you know, it is what it is. It's sports, and that's the world we live in today. And quite frankly, my bigger fear is social media. Um, has been and, and will remain that way. I just think we're, yeah, if the one thing's changed in 20 years, people boot 20 years ago too, but the social media world, um, and, and as you might imagine, I don't spend any time on it, uh, but I know our players do, so I worry about that probably more. Receiver-wise, obviously, everyone's dying to know when reinforcements are on the way, but uh, is regaining on track for next week, would you say? And then Vines' name came up today. Uh, I know he's not... In your future, but what's his timetable? Yeah, so he's probably further down the road. I can't tell you when. Uh, Nico's improving and gaining ground, so that's that's reason to be optimistic. This game hasn't been played here in almost four years. Some yeah. of you guys haven't even played this game at Kinnick Stadium. What does it mean to your team to get this one at Kinnick finally? Yeah, the the bigger point there for me is like just the uh, the COVID year. Um, you know, it was weird in a lot of respects. Obviously, no fans, all that stuff. Late start. But maybe one of the weirdest things is, to your point, the series. Like, for us, looking back historically, you know, we got last year, and then, whoa, like that was – it felt like 10 years ago, the 19 game. And it took 10 years to play it on top of it. So uh, – but it's just – it's almost like that game, dismiss it, throw it out. It, it just so – is so far back, uh, even though it was – you know, wasn't that far back. But the, the lack of – playing every year is it's just it's weird strange so but all that being said it's still iowa iowa state it's a big game for everybody in the state it's certainly a big game for both both programs and uh you know i want to speak for their side but i'm sure they're like us i mean everybody on our team wants to win this game and why won't you so it's a, it's a big game i think it's another cool aspect about it i think it's probably the only you know bcs uh power five uh you know interstate rivalry where teams are in different conferences i think that's still true i'd I probably should check my uh, little roadmap. You know, we got the conference. It's not who's who, who's Louisville, Kentucky, Florida, Florida State. State. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep track of all this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, okay. yeah, the, the, the anyway, yeah, there was a time when people were in the same conference that. in the same state, <laughs> except for us. Yeah. So not dating myself. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Still a cool rivalry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, interesting. Um, 
Iowa is 97 and nine under Kirk Ferentz when they score 30 or more in a game. It would have taken them many, many, many games to get to 30 <laughs> points after watching their offense last week. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, you know, it's funny. I, I saw this tweet that said, um, that said, you know, that was the ultimate rivalry game punishment. They made Iowa State watch the film of the Iowa game um, <laughs> to get ready for this one. So, yeah, it's kind of going to be interesting. Iowa better figure out the offense if they're going to be successful, though, in, in the whole season. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's hard to, to believe that you can have 166 total yards of offense, 10 first downs, and win a game. But um, – you know, when your defense puts four points on the board, um, sometimes that's all you need. And and so you you have a seven to three score, which is must have been a really rough game to watch. Um, but yet somehow the Iowa culture is such that they play a horrible game and they come out of it with a W. And and that's really where teams um that are trying to move up in the big 10, whether it's, you know, Indiana, Illinois, it's Nebraska. They have to figure out how to win games like Iowa just did. Well, that's the mark of a, of a really good program. And that's exactly what the Hawkeyes are uh, under Ferentz. But you know who called this game right here? We could go on big sports radio, Tom Cakert of Iowa rivals.com. Yep. You recall I was saying, yeah, it's South Dakota state. They're FCS here. It, it's, it's Kinnick stadium. Come on. And he was like, no, no, no. I can see this being a seven, seven game at halftime. Um, the only thing he missed was Iowa scoring. Little did he know. Yeah. <laughs> Little did he know in the first half or the entire game. So <laughs> you're exactly right. How about Matt Campbell on the other side? Uh, you're the Iowa state coach coming in. Um, boy, you, you've had some success there, but you need to kind of keep this going. And this is the one game you have not won yet. You are over against the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I think Matt Campbell, you know, he's he came in as this offensive genius coming in, you know, and anybody who could win when uh, with Tim Beckman, I guess he was an offensive genius for a while. But but uh, the uh, but I guess when I look at Matt Campbell, I see a guy who's is there has he reached the pinnacle of what you can be at Iowa State? That's the question. I mean, like they're they're good, but they haven't been able to take maybe that next step that people thought that they might take. And so they're just kind of set there. Now, you know, there are a lot of programs that that's enough and it's probably enough for him to stay at Iowa state forever, but is it enough for him? Is he going to look to go somewhere else? Or is he going to be able to get over that hump and beating Iowa would be a big part start for that. Yeah. I agree with that because I think, you don't want to make the mistake of not capital. If you want to, I guess if you want a bigger job, you don't want to make the mistake of not capitalizing on a good season and then sticking around. Um, and, and certainly he needs to put one together and, and, and then use that as a launching pad if that's what he desires. Now there's nothing wrong with wanting to stay at, at Iowa state and make that your career, but um, you, you, there's going to probably be an opening in Nebraska for sure. So uh, there's at least one place he can look at, but, you got you got to win these games, and if you want to, you know, get a notch on your belt, um, beating Kirk Ferentz is a pretty good way to do it. Yeah, keep an eye on Hunter Decker, the first year uh, Decker's first year starter at quarterback for the Cyclones. Uh, nice afternoon last week, two hundred ninety three yards, four touchdowns, had one pick in the opener as Iowa State got the win. So uh, Iowa hosting Iowa State, both one and zero. 
That's a 4 p.m. Eastern time kickoff, and that game is on BTN. Stay with us. Uh, we will talk about the Illinois Fighting Illini trying to get back on the winning track after their loss at Indiana last week as they take on Virginia. That's coming up next on Big Sports Radio. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you, too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. We continue here on Big Sports Radio. Don't forget bigsportsradio.com. It is free to register. Cost you nothing. Why register? Again, giving away $100 a week uh, starting later on here in the month of September. Details are on the message boards on the forums inside bigsportsradio.com where you can get your one-stop shop for all your Big Ten sports news. Another game of interest this week is Illinois and Virginia. Now, if you just look on paper, this is a, a mismatch. Last year in Charlottesville, uh, UVA waxing the Illini to the tune of 42-14. But that was a turning point for Brett Bielema in his first season in Champaign uh, as they came back and played much better football after that and uh, now trying to get to 2-1 and one on the season, which doesn't sound like much, but in Champaign, that's a really big deal. Brett Bielema talking earlier this week uh, to the media on Monday. Let's listen in to part of that. Is it a work in progress looking for a second back or third? 36 carries seems like a lot. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you know, I, I think we went into that game with the expectation that uh, Reggie and Chase, we knew exactly how both of those were going to be entered in the ball game. Um, we talked about it during the course of the ball game. I think the way the course, uh, the, 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 the game unfolded, Chase, it's hard to pull him out, right, for, for Chase alone, but let alone his coaches. Uh, but on the same account, I think, you know, Chase and, and Reggie this week, we've got to give them a, a, a tremendous amount of work so that, that they feel confident, everybody else feels confident when they possibly uh, enter the game. And then the other guy is the next factor, Aiden Loffrey, uh, really wasn't cleared until last Wednesday to play, so we didn't feel comfortable putting him in, but there's another third guy in the rotation. But I, I'm excited for Reggie. I'm excited for uh, for Chase Hayden and, and, and Aiden to see exactly what they got this week because, you know, we definitely can't uh, put a 30-plus carry on, on uh, Chase Brown every week. Who is logistically the guy who is scouting for Brennan as a left-handed quarterback? Are you put out there? Well, I think the the element of what we have to do um, uh, schematically this week for our offense has to give us still the best passer to throw, right? We don't have a lefty into that category, so um, we do have some guys that throw the ball left-handed. We'll mirror that in our, our uh, individual time because it's a difference. So if you have a right-handed thrower, right, your mirror of the throwing hand is totally different than a left-handed. So it's it's just it's kind of like when you're going against a right-footed punter versus a left-footed punter. You have to make adjustments during Indy, but you really can't adjust the team. Completely off-topic, I apologize for that, but... Uh... Did you, see did, you, did you see the news report about the expanding the college football playoff? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, as this game has evolved, like I remember my first year as a head coach, um, we went 12-1 and one and we were limited in the BCS because at that time the, the Big Ten could only have two, uh, only have a, a limited, limited number of BCS schools in uh, the works. And, and I was trying to push us to get two. And 
uh, that was a rule back then. So literally from the first year as a head coach to where we are now, the rules have always changed. I think they've always improved, and I think this is another great example. So the more people that get involved in the playoffs, I just I just don't see how that can be anything but a positive. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is sad but true. The Illini uh, going two and one is a big deal. Um, and, and Virginia, Virginia just waxed Illinois a year ago, but yeah, this looks like a different Illinois team on the defensive side of the ball than what uh, Virginia saw a year ago. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how the Illinois defensive coordinator Ryan Walters is able to handle Brennan Armstrong, who you know just has you know can really sling it around. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, it's a fun game though. It's going to be a battle of you know can can they you know can they have any balance on offense? Nobody's been able to run the ball against Illinois so far. Wyoming or Indiana really struggled. So you got to pass it a little bit, make them one dimensional. Now, can the Illinois offense, which has been putting up a bunch of yards, actually put up points? Is is another question um, against the Virginia defense. So this should be a fun one, though. Should be a close game down to the wire. Yeah, and and Illinois really needs to win this if they want to have an opportunity to break their streak of, um, you know, seasons that have losing record um, and go to a bowl game. So ultimately, there's not a lot of wiggle room, and. The Big Ten is the toughest conference in the country by a lot of estimation. Some people say SEC, but um, the schedule is not going to be easy. So the Illini have to capitalize on these early games. And Illinois with Chase Brown, the running back from Canada with 350 yards already, given it's in two games, but he is the nation's leading rusher in that category. And in fact, this week was named the Doak Walker National Running Back uh, of the Week. But guys, the problem is, um, he carried the ball a lot of times. I think was it 36, 37 carries he had in that Indiana game. Um, I know they've got the backup behind him injured, but I mean, you know, we, we just talked about Wisconsin and their running game. Bielema is trying to do the same thing at Illinois, but he, he's got to get more backs that he can trust in that backfield because Chase Brown is not going to last uh, carrying the ball that many times every game. Yeah, Chase Brown is more of a, I mean, you know, he's what, 205, 210. He's not, he's not that big burly back, you know, that you, you, that, you know, Bielema used at Wisconsin, you know, whether it was, you know, we go back to the Ron Dane at Wisconsin type stuff. But I, I think that, you know, so they're going to need more guys. And, you know, with Josh McCray being out, Illinois is going to have to find a, another running back. Maybe it's a freshman uh, who's been out. Aiden Lawfrey uh, has been out. And if he's able to come back, he's a little bit dynamic, bring some speed element to, you know, breakaway speed a little bit. So maybe he can give them a few carries and, and rest Chase Brown a little bit. Cause um, I thought at the end of the game against Indiana, he looked gassed, you know, he was, he was worn down. And so you give him 36 carries that I don't think that's sustainable for a 12, 12 game season. No. And, and the other thing I think people, you know, got frustrated about from an Illinois standpoint is, the script was very similar to last year. You know, you could move get move the ball a little better than last year. But in the end, you know, you end up um, not scoring uh, touchdowns when it matters and then allowing one drive at the end of a game to lose it. So Illinois has got to try to find a way to flip the script if they want to change their fate and go bowling for a year. Yeah, Bielema talking about in his presser on Monday that, you know, he said, hey, since day one getting here, I've talked about before we start winning games, we have to stop losing them. They did themselves no favors last week, four turnovers and uh, eight penalties for the second straight game. It's not going to get it done. 
Watch the quarterback for the Cavaliers, Brennan Armstrong, last year, 405 passing yards and five touchdowns. Virginia, 556 yards on offense. But again, there's a different Illinois defense that uh, they'll be facing in Champaign. Virginia 1-0 and Illinois 1-1. It's a 4 p.m. Eastern time kick, and that game can be seen on ESPNU. Stay with us. We'll talk more college football and uh, some of the other games outside the conference we're watching after this on the Big Sports Radio. Now back to the studio and the guys from Big Sports Radio. Well, some pretty good matchups uh, this weekend in college football. Guys, I, I got to start at the top here. Where history is being made, the last time Alabama played in a non-conference opponent's home stadium was 11 years ago this weekend, September 10th, 2011. Third-ranked Tide winning at number 23 Penn State. 27 to 11, I believe that score was. Uh, Saturday, uh, number one Bama plays at Texas. It's been a long time, but they go into Austin. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, Nick Saban doesn't evidently have to leave the state of Alabama to, to win national championships. So um, that's whatever works, right? Uh, it's going to be, I, I don't know. This is a great matchup from a sign, you know, that got Saban against another assistant again with, uh, you know, who helped to win a national title a couple of years ago. So this is uh, a game where I think Texas may be able to put up a few points, but Alabama is just too good. Um, there are 20, I think it's 20 point favorites in this one on the road at Texas. So although, you know, they won 27 to 11 last time against 23 Penn State, I think they'll win by more on the road this time. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, let, let's be real honest here. Texas is going to wish that it, it was another 11 years before Alabama left the state to play somebody because they don't want to be that that group, but they're that group. So I think um, we're looking at a blowout here, and Saban is going to be fired up, and he doesn't want to have a game against an assistant coach that he can't laugh about, and I think he's going to be laughing a lot. Texas will be that boyfriend who threatened to move out and coming back saying, honey, sweetie, big 12. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Can you take me back? Yeah. It's, 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 I really want to play Kansas state again <laughs> or Kansas. Right. You haven't rented out my room yet. Have you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what are some other games of interest? Uh, Brad, who do you like this weekend? Yeah. in the sec, this is a great game. Um, Kentucky at Florida, I believe, and, and I may be wrong, but Mike, maybe you can help me out. Do you remember me talking about a Florida quarterback um, last weekend? Uh, yeah, possibly being a, a pretty good. Do you remember that, Mike? Steve Spurrier. Mike's going to go way Mike? back. You know that, Brad. Yes. I'll help you out. I remember that. <laughs> I thought it was Steve Spurrier. Are you sure that he said... Yes. Yeah, I did. Anthony Richardson, six foot four, <laughs> throws us 75 yards, runs a four, four forty. And, uh, you know, they already pulled the upset of Utah. And they, so they vaulted ahead of Kentucky and their favorite at home in the swamp. Um, you know, Mark Stoops has really good squad at Kentucky, a top 25 team, but that's going to be maybe Florida's back. We're going to learn a lot about the Gators uh, and the SC, their chance in the SEC on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's probably the best game of the day. Now we have South Carolina and Spencer Rattler, the once and not yet future Heisman Trophy leader. Um, and he's going up against Arkansas. So South Carolina is playing a number 16 ranked Arkansas. And of course, they have the most color, one of the most colorful coaches, Sam Pittman, who 
talked about how he really likes to have beer after a game, but he's not advising that anybody else has to drink it. So I thought that was a great little, um, you know, little warning there as he talked about it. And then he brought it up one more time with the same disclaimer at the end of this, of the same interview. So um, I think that's going to be a fun matchup. I love love beer, but don't you drink it. (laughs) Do as I say, as I do. (laughs) At least it wasn't tequila. This wasn't tequila. Exactly. Yeah, you know, actually, after the game, I have some Everclear or some tequila, whatever's available. <laughs> yeah, you know? but yeah. don't you do it? That's right. That's right. You know, speaking of that Florida team, Brad. I mean, here's a trivia question. I don't know the answer. Just thinking of it just now. When's when's the last team that started a season under a first year head coach beating back to back ranked teams at home? I mean, I think it maybe maybe a while, but uh, yeah, up this week and during a free moment that I don't have. Um, another, not to stay in the SEC, but another in- game of interest is uh, uh, Tennessee and uh, at Pitt, Tennessee twenty fourth uh, in in the co- easy matchup last week uh, as they, they took care of Ball State pretty easily, um, and now Pitt coming in again with some some change. Other uh, quarterback pickets now in the NFL. Um, this is a, a big. I think it's a big game for for Josh Heupel, um, who's trying to rebuild the, the pride of the volunteer program. Uh, the former Oklahoma quarterback did a great job as head coach down at Central Florida, replacing Scott Frost, and now trying to make something happen uh, up with the Volunteers. Here's a program that has fallen behind in the East. Obviously, Georgia, right now, even Kentucky, and it's a it's a big uh, you know, litmus test, I think, for the Volunteers to try to get to two and zero and beat a ranked team uh, on the road. No question. I think for Pitt, it's an important game to kind of show that they the ACC can compete with the SEC, yeah. uh, so to speak here. So, and, and maybe Pitt can, you know, what, what are they without, you know, a, a star quarterback, or maybe they have another star quarterback, but how do they, how are they able to handle, um, you know, a Tennessee team that's upstart and got a lot of confidence. So it, it should be a good matchup. Yeah. It should be a lot of fun, especially if Pitt can build towards something because the ACC is not strong this year you beat an SEC team, you got to feel really good going into the conference. Yeah, Pitt 3-0 and all time against the Vols. We call it the Johnny Major Bowl. Uh, he exactly. was the head coach of both these teams. Uh, Pitt beat uh, Tennessee in uh, Knoxville last year. Uh, one final note very quickly, number six, Texas A&M, a game that I want to see against Appalachian State. You're asking why. Well, you know, the Mountaineers went and scored, what, 40 points in the fourth quarter against North Carolina, almost tied the game, stopped on the two-point conversion late, 63-61, they lost. Uh, well, Texas a has a little bit better defense than UNC, no question, but still, let's see if they can uh, make some noise uh, on the road there. Hey, a uh, big day of college football, so sit back and enjoy that and enjoy more of us. We're back with more after this. Well, a big week and the Big Ten as both the women's and the men's basketball Big Ten schedules were announced. Let's focus here on the men's uh, while we have a few minutes here. Um, 140 games announced uh, for all 14 teams. Um, It begins Friday, December 2nd, when Maryland, with first-year head coach Kevin Willard, takes on defending regular season co-champion Illinois in College Park. Yeah, the, the Terrapins open with the defending champions, and then they go to Wisconsin um, like just three days later. So they played two games before half the teams have even got off the bus. So uh, it's pretty wild when you look at that schedule. I think an interesting early game is 
Indiana opens on December 3rd at Rutgers. Indiana is the kind of the preseason favorite and talking to people and they go on the road to play a Rutgers team that that's very tough at the rack and a team that is uh, going to be uh, a very good this year. So I think um, that's a tough matchup to start your conference season. The other thing I noticed is some teams won't play two games. Like, like I mentioned, Maryland's going to play two games in four days and some teams won't play their second game until January. So it's a, it's an odd schedule this year. Yeah, and and I I just love looking at the end of the schedule when, you know, that's one of the games every year that gets massive. Sometimes the highest ranked college basketball game of the season up to that point, you know, is that last Big Ten game, you know, um, going into the tournament um, and the Big Ten tournament and Illinois versus Purdue on Sunday. Um, that is going to be a great game. Uh there's there's just so much go- this Big Ten season is just incredible and I think we're going to see uh, th- this may be the year that the Big Ten finally breaks through and wins that national title. You've got a lot of really good teams uh, in there and I think what's great is just a parody as Brad mentioned uh, Indiana a lot of buzz about the Hoosiers this year and second year coach Mike Woodson not everybody thought he could get the job done but um, he certainly has done some things that his predecessor Archie Miller couldn't um you know i like the way at the end of the year you look at the teams that have been dominant in the big 10 over the last two or three years um uh, uh, purdue illinois michigan wisconsin uh ohio state kind of the the cream of the crop lately and 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 they they all play each other in the final week um you i'm looking ahead to the the final thursday you've got michigan at illinois and purdue at wisconsin then that Saturday, Ohio State at Michigan State, another team that, that always, always is in the mix. And then the final Sunday, Michigan at Indiana, uh, Wisconsin at uh, Minnesota. Minnesota overachieved last year, the Golden Gophers, under uh, their second-year coach. And then Illinois at Purdue. Um, you know, and it was last year where we saw the very end. Of, it was the final Sunday. It came down to number one top, you know, the, the, the conference leading Wisconsin loses at home to bottom feeder Nebraska that opens the door for Illinois to knock out Iowa in a thriller in Champaign to grab a share of the title. We could have the same kind of thing on the final Sunday here. It's just great for fans. Yeah. How about that end of the stretch end of the season stretch for Michigan? They travel on February 23rd. They're at Rutgers on February 26th. They host Wisconsin. Then on March 2nd, they're at Illinois and March 5th, they're at Indiana. How about that final four game stretch against you know some of the conference favorites uh, for Juwan Howard? So I, I I don't think he's going to be able to COVID his way out of any of those games. So we'll see what happens, but uh, <laughs> I think they'll have to play those. Yeah, and watching films of his son Jet, I think he's an underrated recruit. So who knows what what little tricks uh, Juwan's going to be able to pull out of his bag? Because that that's a talented team he has up in Michigan. Um, along with, you know, you look at Illinois, you look at uh, Indiana, and and I somehow I keep thinking Ohio State keeps getting these very athletic and very, um, you know, flexible type of players who can who can play anywhere on the court. It's going to be a dynamic season. Ohio State, Chris Holtman, they just find a way, you know, but you're right. You do lose uh, Malachi Branham, who had a great freshman year. Boy, he was just such a uh, a star, the kid out of Akron. And then You've got E.J. Liddell, who was do everything for them, um, playing out of position almost as a center a lot of times, uh, but still uh, was a leader in this team. And so for the first time now in four years, no Liddell. Uh, but again, Ohio State always recruits so well in this. We should mention the, the Big Ten tournament uh, returning to Chicago this year after being in Indy 
uh, last year, the last couple of years, actually. Remember, they, they're, they're going to go to Chicago in, in, in 2021. Brad, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, with COVID. And they wound up instead moving it to Indy. And, and then all the Big Ten teams just stayed in place, um, hunkered yeah. down, sheltered in place as they held both the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament back to back in Indianapolis. Yep, exactly. And so now Chicago's back uh, hosting again. And so it should be great. It's always fun to get up there in the Windy City and um, and, and see this event because it is the, the Big Ten tournament is a really fun event. So if you've ever attended, it's it's something you want to get to. So many fans, different schools, just uh, so much to do, so much activity surrounding this uh, event. Now, before we get to that Big, Big Ten tournament, though, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see which team uh, it, it kind of steps out because there's a lot of teams. I don't know if the Big Ten has a team that is right now would be considered an elite team. Like you look at them and they're like a top five ranked team, but they have six or seven teams that are potential top 25 teams. And if they things break right, could move up into that upper echelon of the na- of the teams in the nation. So it's going to be fun to see who kind of plays their way into that top tier. I think there's going to be more teams with uh, physical uh, talent at the top of the Big Ten this year. Um, obviously, the, the guys have to play, but the newcomers coming into the league are extremely athletic this year, and I think um, we'll start seeing that in the in the way that games are played. Plus, with the changeover in um, you know who's the referee running the referees might also make the game look a little different on the court as well. And I think that's something we'll be talking about as we get into the later in the fall. And once uh, the ball does go up and the season begins is how will games be officiated? You know, there have been a lot of critics. We've been among them and, and how this game is called, uh, call them fair. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, call it a little tighter. I mean, you, you can have one game where you can clutch and grab at will. And then another, when you sneeze on somebody, and it's a foul. I mean, it's, I think consistently is the big thing at across the board with anybody. But especially the Big Ten, you've got so many great coaches. Um, there's not a single single coach out of these 14 that I wouldn't want running my program. And um, so make sure that you you call it fair and uh, and make it equitable across uh, across the board. The Big Ten schedule again, it is out, and uh, you can see that uh, on BigTen.org. And we'll have a link as well on our website, BigSportsRadio.com. Back with much more here on Big Sports Radio after this. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you, too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation 303-957-3092 that's neon rain at 303-957-3092 or visit them at neonrain.com now back to the studio and the guys from big sports radio Here to wrap things up now with a few stories that caught our attention. Uh, minor league baseball, looking at a union. You know, I kind of thought unions were sort of on their way out, but a lot of union talk this summer in minor league baseball, more than half the players voting in favor of that. Looks like it could be on the way. Yeah, I think anytime you get the 
when people are in poor working conditions and let's be honest, minor league baseball has been a poor working condition. You're going to have, you're going to have unions pop up and it makes sense that they would do this. And it's about time. I mean, they need to have, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you they should be making this much or that much, but I, I know that they weren't making enough. The, the guys who were first and second round picks were making their money off their bonuses and the rest of them were just kind of, you know, living from, you know, meal to meal and hoping to get enough. Yeah. And, and my only concern is, is, is that that's a fragile economic deal, particularly after the pandemic. And um, you want to make sure that there's, you know, you want to make sure there's enough there to keep people employed. But um, I will always side with uh, paying the people who are leaving pieces of their body out on the field, whether it's, you know, softball with people like Brad throwing at them or baseball or football, whatever. Uh, I, I, I want the players to be paid because that's what people show up to see. Well, and you're right. And, you know, they recently, the minor leagues basically contracted. I mean, the, the teams, you know, got rid exactly. of some, There's some teams that were minor league affiliates of major league teams that are no more. Now they're just struggling as independent. Um, and so, yeah, there are fewer slots to be had in the farm system. And, uh, and you're right. These people, some uh, have families. And uh, so, yeah, we'll see where that goes. Speaking of, of paying the people, leaving uh, their body and soul out on the field, with guys like Brad Sturdy throwing at him, uh, college football, Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan coach, uh, making some waves this week when he said, hey, listen, with the expansion of the college football playoff, he hopes that the players get a share of the revenue. Um, you know, there's so much talk about that, especially in the Big Ten. It feels like maybe not immediate, maybe not as soon as all the expansion talk, but it, it feels like in the next maybe eight to 10 years, we may see a model uh, or maybe even sooner where players are sharing in the in the revenue. Think about how many players opt out of bowl games at, at different times. What if they were getting a revenue share to play in that bowl game? Much more likely to play for thirty or forty thousand dollars for a single game, as opposed to you know what they you know, sitting it out. I think the same thing with this revenue share. I mean, obviously, players aren't sitting out the college football playoff, but I think they deserve it. I mean, the players are why we're watching. I'm not saying that they you should give all the money to them, but they should get a little little bit. I mean, it goes to the university, and they say indirectly it goes players, but no, just give them, give them some cash. You know, it's, it's, there's, there's lots of money out there to be uh, that's been thrown around. Yeah. And that 30 to $40,000, you know, for a bowl game, it's similar to we've heard different ADs who've kind of tipped their, their had their a little bit that that was something that they were thinking about. So I'm all for paying them something. Um, I don't know what that is. I'll leave that to wiser people. But, um, you know, people show up to watch, you know, uh, different players play. They don't show up to watch referees ref or other things. They're, they're there to watch great players use their skills. You know, I was for the longest time, I was against, I was one of those against paying the players. And my feeling was you're amateur, um, you know, you get the scholarship and your room and board and, and that's, that's, but it's a different world now that was back before, you know, multi-billion dollar deals, et cetera. And I'm with you at this, at the point right now that I've, I have no problem with that because, you know, let's face it, you know, for um, you know, the NBA, for example, college basketball is your minor league, you know, the G league's not developed yet. This is still where you're going to get the bulk of your players. And, um, and I, I, you're, I agree with you guys um, can't get away until we talk a little uh, major league baseball and, and the home runs. Not since, you know, Sosa McGuire 98, have we seen a couple of sluggers just kind of chasing the record books. 
Albert Pujols uh, in the National League with the Cardinals and then uh, Aaron Judge with the Yankees. This has been really fun to watch uh, coming down the stretch. Yeah, Pujols getting inching closer and closer to that 700 mark and Judge inching closer and closer to breaking that um, 61 home run mark. You know, being uh, hitting 60 would be good, but I think 62 is probably going to come this year for him. Uh, you know, what a guy, how about him betting on himself preseason, not taking the Yankees deal and saying, I'm going to have a big year. And he did. He's going to get paid in the, in the off season because then of course, Albert, you know, been the best hitter in baseball, you know, 10 years ago. And now he's, you know, in the twilight, but just having a great surge down the stretch. Yeah. It's hard to find a better story than Albert, you know, um, playing so well uh, as he, as he's ready to, to, you know, exit stage, right. Um, and I think, you know, with judge, um, that is a classic, um, and very brave move to bet on yourself like that. And, um, anytime somebody can come through, especially with the Yankees who seem to have the ability to print money, um, we're going to see just how well their printer works. <laughs> Put some new ink in the, in the, uh, <laughs> yes, I think for this one, no question. Yeah. Judge, uh, that, that is Brad mentioned that 61 home run mark, uh, the American league record set, you know, by Roger Maris. Um, and already he hit 55, uh, a couple of nights ago. And that 55 broke the tie with Alex Rodriguez, most prolific right-handed home run hitter in Yankee history, already etching his name in the record books. Hey, uh, we've etched our name and wrapping up another show, two hours of fun. Hopefully it was as good for you as it was for us. Hey, enjoy football. Enjoy all the games. Have a great weekend. We'll see you right back here. Same time next week. Take care. This has been a presentation of LMBC sports, LLC and revision sound. We'll be back next week on big sports radio network.